0: and welcome to Snippet Sports Science, your weekly podcast of Applied Sports Science. I'm Chris Cavillier and joined by Jared. How are you, mate? Good. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Getting close to Christmas
1: now. Any plans? I might go back to the States, actually, for a bit. Uh, Maybe my dad's been talking about going to Argentina, so that would be different. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so today we're going to get into a paper by Christopher Bevan or Marty Bevan, Christian Cook, and Nicholas Gill and the paper we're going to review today is called Significant Strength Gains Observed in Rugby Players After Specific Resistance Exercise Protocols Based on Individual Salivary Testosterone Responses. Wow, that's a mouthful.
1: It is a mouthful as academic articles tend to be, so maybe we can break that down a little bit for the audience. Uh, This paper is looking at their individual testosterone responses to exercise.
0: This is actually part two of a previous paper where in the first paper they actually looked at the individual testosterone responses to four different weight training protocols. Traditionally, when we think about doing strength training, we think that hypertrophy-type protocols, high reps, three sets of 12 to 15, are going to give us the responses that we need to gain muscle and strength and so forth. However, what they actually found in the previous study was that the response to weight training protocols is actually individual. For example, for me, it might be four sets of one, whereas Jared, it might be power-based three sets of five at 55%. And what they did in this early stage, they had four different weight training protocols and they just looked at the acute response of testosterone. So as a result of that, they were able to create a protocol that was what they called a T-max protocol. So something from pre to post that had a maximal rise in testosterone. And also they had a T-min protocol, which was therefore a decrease or a very insignificant rise in testosterone from pre to post. When you look at when we do weight training, we think about testosterone as a really good marker. And what it's actually been shown to be associated with is not only increases in strength, speed and power performance, there's actually behaviours that are actually really positive, such as increased motivation to train, aggression, determination. And when you look at something like a weight training session, if you're more motivated to train, and one of these other studies actually showed that increases in testosterone were associated with putting on more weight on the barbell. So trained more, you expose the body to more stress or mechanical stress, and as a result, the body responded, and that's how we get stronger. We actually need to expose the body to a stress, We need to recover from that stress
1: and keep stressing it so that we get stronger. On an individualized basis, which is a large point of this article, I remember in that formative paper when they looked at the pooled group mean, actually they found no differences due to the changes in testosterone and was only once they individualized the data because the testosterone response exercise is an individualized response. There's not a group human average of what is the best exercise to increase your testosterone that is an individualized concept and so a lot of the previous literature has been confounded by looking at pooled group data and I believe that's an incorrect way to look at testosterone and in hormones in general actually actually pretty much all biology to be honest particularly in sports science and that's one of the things that really makes this paper one of my favorite papers in terms of the study design is because it's such a strong emphasis on the individualization of the athlete responses, which I think is absolutely critical. This is what they use here is a randomized crossover design where half of the athletes did one protocol and then switched over to the other protocol and the other half of the athletes did the minimized protocol and then switched over to the maximized protocol. So that's one element of individualization. But then they have an additional element of individualization where they're looking at their individual responses to the exercise in terms of their testosterone response.
0: And this is more evident in elite athletes. When you have a recreational group of subjects, they traditionally may not have the same responses as elite athletes. And therefore I think this has even more relevance
1: to us as strength coaches or applied sports scientists in elite performance setting. Absolutely, and finding those individualized responses is a very method intensive approach. And so Chris will go into that in a bit more detail, but I just want to say first that my hope is one day, you know, we'll have genetic testing that we will just be able to run someone's genetics and find out what exercise or what diet will be most beneficial for them in any particular sense. But in the meantime, we have to do very extensive methodological approaches to determine what is the best individualized response. Thanks, Jared. And earlier I spoke about the TMAX, the
0: TMIN protocol. At this point, they've already got what these protocols are, and therefore, after the initial testing, the group was split into those two subgroups that Jared spoke about. One subgroup performed a three-week training block that involved resistance exercise twice a week on their individualized TMAX protocol, and obviously, conversely, the other group performed their TMIN protocol. So that's twice a week for three weeks. These athletes were retested on the four protocols after the three weeks of training. After resting for five days, and unloading period, a crossover in the protocol occurred and the subjects performed their alternating training blocks for another three weeks, twice per week. Recharacterization sessions were performed twice per protocol after the second training block. No other weight training was performed.
1: So if I am understanding this correctly, they had to test the T-Max and T-Min responses five times altogether? I think it was about five times, and that's five times for four protocols. So that's 20 different testing sessions that they needed to do to determine these individualized respondents. It's extremely labor-intensive. One thing that I would like to talk about a little bit that arose from that T-Max and t testing protocols is the consistency with which the rugby athletes responded in their T-Max, t protocols. So what we see is out of the 16 athletes, 12 of them, had the same T-max, T-min at every testing point, both at the initial testing, the retest at midway point, and the retesting at the end point. One athlete then, so 13, had a consistent at all three testings for the T-max, but then changed the T-min. And there was only three athletes that were inconsistent with their T-max, T-min responses. Now, what I do want to point out is that even with the inconsistent responses, so we know that these four protocols were set up sort of in a gradient of intensity. So the A protocol was at 85%, B protocol at 70%, C at 55%, and D at 40%. And what we see is that even when an athlete is inconsistent, when they shift, in the, and of course we, there's not enough data to give statistics. This is just an anecdotal observation as the, as a reader. But that even when an athlete shifts, they only shift to the closest intensity that they previously had. So what we see is someone switching from an A protocol to a B protocol, or B to A, C to D, D to C, or C to B, that sort of thing. They never switch all the way from an A to a D, or a D to an A. There's never that large of a jump in their preferred protocol.
0: In respect to the procedures, maximal bench press and leg press strength of the athletes were assessed using a 1RM. The resistance training protocols, as Jared alluded to, they consisted of four exercises, bench press, leg press, seated row, and squats. Something that's really relevant and pragmatic to
1: athletes. Nice balanced training session.
0: Exactly right. These activate large muscle masses, and the four different protocols were, first one, four sets of 10 repetitions at 70% of 1RM, two minutes rest, three sets of five repetitions at 85%, three minutes rest, Five sets of 15 reps at 55% with one minute rest and three sets of five reps at 40% of 1RM with three minutes rest. Saliva samples were obtained immediately before and within five minutes of
1: completing the exercise regime. Moving into the results, there's a couple of figures in this paper that I highly recommend to you. Open up the paper, the results are very clear in those figures. They really illustrate the differences between using maximal testosterone and the minimal testosterone responses. So moving into those, Chris, I think our primary outcome measure from this study is the percent change in one repetition maximum. That's what we care about, the strength changes in the squat and the bench press. And what did we see there in response to the T-max versus the T-min protocols?
0: Those people who performed the team match protocol had a significant increase in a cumulative weekly gain. So that's a one around percentage increase from the starting point. And those who then performed the team in protocol actually had a decrement in a cumulative gain.
1: So we see quite dramatically uh, really increases over those three weeks. From gaining a two percent increase in the one RM strength at week one, up to a nearly a eight percent increase, maybe seven percent increase in the one repetition maximum by the end of the three weeks, and then stabilized during the five days in between the two te- testing protocols. And then for the athletes who started with the T max and went into the T in protocol second we saw that the one repetition maximum stayed about the same over that five-day period, and then had a very slight non-significant decrease over the next three weeks with the min protocol.
0: Which is quite amazing. Therefore, that makes you think if we're training an athlete with the wrong
1: type of protocol,
0: we actually could be doing a disservice to learn a decreasing body weight, muscle mass, but also strength and potential performance.
1: Absolutely. And I think everyone has seen that where you go on a particular protocol and often it's a protocol you don't really enjoy very much. It doesn't make you feel good. And you just don't make any improvements on a particular protocol. You try and run the same program. You've committed to it. You try and run it for like three months at a time. And you're just like, you know what, I got nothing out of this program for three months. It's like, well, maybe it's not the program for you. Definitely. And when you look at the results here, just to make
0: it clear that irrespective of which order it was, in the protocol where they did the T-min first, they saw the same sort of results, decrement in strength and body mass. And then when they went on the T-match protocol, they had a significant increase in both type of measures.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I was saying. One of the things I really enjoy about this study design is that crossover where eight of the 16 athletes did the T max first and then the T min, and then the other half did the T minimum first and then the T maximum so that they can show this isn't just uh, effect over time, regardless of which order you're doing it. We see similar effects across both protocols. So Chris, what are some practical applications of this knowledge?
0: This really highlights the individuality of training protocols to athletes, irrespective of whether you're using salivary hormones as your marker. There's many practical things such as enjoyment, vigor during training sessions, you can ask the athletes if they enjoy it, and also just the testing results. If you're trying to do what you deem as a hypertrophy protocol or hypertrophy training phase and you're doing all the other right things such as eating and getting the right nutrition and the rest, and they're not quite getting the gains you think that they should, Perhaps it's the protocol that you're actually giving to the athlete.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we might not have a study to back up this next statement, but both Chris and I have observed testosterone responses quite a bit and anecdotally associated those with subjective responses as well. This has been in some studies as well. And to us, I feel like it's, it's fairly clear mentally or subjectively when you're having a very positive testosterone response, you know, it's it's all of that bigger feeling. It's a, Readiness to train as we talk about it. It's often that that feeling you get when you're training and you just want to train more versus when you feel quite defeated. That's kind of, sort of a difference between a T Max and a T Min response. And in my anecdotal experience, would you agree with that, Chris? Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So when, you, when you're going into a session and it's a session that makes you feel defeated, maybe not the best session for you. Whereas if it's the sort of session that you go into and at the end of it, you have that feeling like, oh, actually, wish I'd done a bit more, I wish I'd programmed a little bit more, and you want to do a little bit more work. That's a great program.
0: Definitely. And many of your observations and the questions that you need to give to your athletes to actually tease that kind of information out. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jared. Once again, another great paper by Cook et al. Anything that they do in this kind of space is really applied. They use really good athletes, and when you sit back and you go, that's some information that perhaps highlighted something that I didn't no. know, but... It, I think it states the obvious, which is quite important.
1: And to me, it's, it's very much about the methodological quality that we see from this group, whereas I, I feel like a lot of other articles I look at, and they sort of have um, specious conclusions, sort of they're not using, they're looking at pooled group means, They're they're looking at other sort of responses like that, and they're not taking into account the factors that actually really matter in training. Whereas I think this group has both a very good understanding of science and a very good understanding of training. And it's amazing when you find researchers who can put those two things together. That's right.
0: Thank you very much listeners for joining us and thanks also to Elite Form for sponsoring our podcast. Remember to join us in conversation on our socials at Snippet Science, also on our website at snippetscience.com. Thanks for listening.